Thank you for joining us on Unbreakable Spirit. To learn more about Jennifer and her holistic weight loss approach, visit her website at sevencompany.com. That's the number seven, company.com. And please join us for our next episode where we'll hear from more women who overcame hardship and learned how to thrive. Welcome everyone to episode number 18 of Unbreakable Spirit. I am so excited as I say this every time I have a guest. They are the best. This is a wonderful guest today, Megan Davis. And let me tell you just a little bit about Megan. Megan graduated from Radford University with a BS in exercise science, health education, commercial corporate fitness with a minor in nutrition. And that's going to be important when we get into her story which is why I wanted to share it. She's living in Myrtle Beach with her husband, and she is the founder and clinical director of Ideal Body. Now, we're going to learn a little bit more about how Megan has used Ideal Protein, which is a weight loss protocol and some very healthy food, and why it's been significant in her life. Not only has it helped her balance her hormones, but it helped her recover from her stem cell transplant after being diagnosed with scleroderma after her son was born. She lost over 50 pounds after battling chemotherapy and radiation and steroids for treatments. She also uses Ideal Protein as her sports performance nutrition when training for her Ironman races. And in her spare time, Megan is an advocate for scleroderma awareness and stem, stem cell transplant for Duke Medical University. She also enjoys running, cooking, and beach time with her beautiful son and husband. And she believes that you can do whatever you put your mind to. Welcome, Megan. I'm really happy to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. I am very excited to be here today. I'm very honored and I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Well, thank you. And we are excited to hear your story because it's quite the story. So Megan, I'm going to let you just jump in and share with us what you've been through the past number of years. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm actually so excited because today marks three and a half years post my stem cell transplant that I had at Duke Medical. So let me just share a little bit how I got to this stem cell transplant and how it saved my life. So as you know, I was very active. I was a Ironman. I ran marathons. I was in the gym. I did fitness, performance, competitions and nutrition was my life. And, you know, after moving down here to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, I had my son and such a healthy pregnancy. I mean, I, I have to give it to you that I was teaching boxing classes. I was running 5Ks, 10Ks. It, it was a great pregnancy. And right after I had my son, I started to get sick. And someone who's really healthy is really in tune with their body. And I started noticing things were going wrong. And, and this happened probably about nine weeks after having my son within two weeks of getting the Marina IUD birth control. So yeah. I started to get things like foggy brain, hand swelling, feet swelling. My skin started to feel really tight. My all my joints and my muscles were started to get an excruciating pain. And I just knew that something was wrong. And I started going to the doctors and nobody could 
say what was wrong with me. And I kept saying, no, there is something wrong with me. I'm, I'm, I'm very healthy. Like I know something internally is going yeah. on. Please listen to me. Right. Cause you're and, so, you're so in touch with your body from all yes. of this uh, yes. training and everything you've done. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then finally I said, you know what? I need to get this Marina out. And within months I just kept getting worse. And I really started going to the route of doing a lot of holistic treatments to try to detox my body of maybe what something that was going on. And I never really was getting an answer. And within, you know, doing some ozone therapy and some infusions and getting on even some steroids at that point, nothing was working. And finally, and no diagnosis, nobody knows no what's diagnosis. wrong with you, but nothing. something's wrong with you. They just don't know what. And you could start to see it at this point. So like it got to the point where I wasn't even able to hold my son. So imagine being a new mom and not being able to change a diaper or trying to open a bottle or trying to get up in the middle of the night when he's screaming. I, it would take me about five to 10 minutes to even just get my body out of bed because something was happening and nobody could give me a reason. Nothing in my blood work was coming up mm-hmm. and nobody knew what to pinpoint. So yeah, finally I walked into a doctor's office with my mom. At this time, I was in a wheelchair. It's about six months after, you know. Wow. Yes. And I remember looking at the doctor and, you know, holding his hand and crying and saying, what is wrong with me? And he said, you know what? I have somebody who may know what's wrong. So they sent me with that night. It's like five o'clock at night. The doctor's office was about to shut, close. And I went to this other rheumatologist. And as soon as I walked in the door, the doctor looked at me and he said, ma'am, you have rapid diffuse scleroderma. It is a autoimmune disorder and you got a bad. And I did not know what that was. Like, I, I was going to say, I had to look it up before this call because I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Right. It is. That, that's one thing you don't want to do. You don't want to Google it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go down the rabbit hole, right? <laughs> that's probably the scariest thing that you can actually Google. If you want a nightmare, go ahead and Google it. So I basically, I started crying. I was like, I, I don't know what that is. Okay, let's fix it. Yes, let's like, okay, let's rock and roll. Let's do it. Because, you know, I have such a positive attitude. But then he goes, no, ma'am, there is no cure for scleroderma. Yeah. And he goes, and and like I said, I'm in a wheelchair. I was doing Ironmans, you know, before my son and marathons. And the first thing that I felt selfish, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I, was, I felt selfish. And I, and I still to this day, I... I look back and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I said that first. I asked him, I said, am I ever going to run again? When I think about that, I say, oh my God, like, I can't believe I didn't say like, am I going to be a mom? Like, mm. can I be a mom? Like I said, and I, to this day, I always say, man, am I selfish for saying that? But I think it was, now I look back, it was a reason for me to say that first, because that's where I got my inner fight from. Be a mom, but also there's a reason. And that reason is the doctor said, no, ma'am, you'll never be able to run again. Oh. You're never going to like with scleroderma and where you are, we could possibly stop this progression because there is no cure. We can get you on some medications as fast as it can be, but you're lucky that if you're going to be able just to walk. So and, you, and to, you might end up just in that wheelchair. Forever. And I screamed. I'm I sure. screamed. I, and, and then that's when everything started to hit you. Then you're like, oh my God. 
I finally have, I have a very successful job. I'm, I'm managing a clinic. I'm, I'm a mom. I, I like, how is this happening to somebody who has done nothing wrong with their body that ate clean, that worked out, that never put the toxins and, and, and those poisons and everything in your body. And then you're going to get one of the worst diseases out there. Like what did I do wrong? Devastating. Devastating. And it's kind of like when you, and I remember this moment, like when I was running my Ironman and I was like, damn, I am on top of the world right now. I am in great shape. I just got married. I'm, we're thinking of having a baby. We're getting ready to move. Like nothing can beat this moment. And damn, that was, that was right. I, who would know that nine, 10 months later down the road that I would be terminally sick, that I would get terminally sick. So I was diagnosed at that moment and I was expedited to MUSC medical. And when I walked into MUSC down here in um, Charleston, it's the medical university and it was fate. They were, they are the ones who do the research for scleroderma. Oh, isn't that amazing? How does that happen? How How does that somebody that when you Google it, there's less than 300,000 people in the world that have it. Trust me, there's more than that because we we get misdiagnosed. I, I imagine because it's so hard to diagnose, right? Because nobody knows what it is. We're literally a 15 minute slide, and you're in a doctor's when they're yeah, at medical school, literally. And I'm so, sure in the beginning it was like, oh, it's in your head. You just right. had a baby. You're just tired. Yeah. It's your hormones. Yes. So nobody was believing me that something was wrong. Exactly. And the doctor looked at me and said, I, and I remember crying again and saying, I cannot leave my son behind. Like no. I. He is eight months old and I have not been able to take care of him. I have a great mother who ended up living in Virginia and ended up moving down here to South Carolina to help me because I couldn't, I couldn't get up. I couldn't hold him. I couldn't take care of him. So the doctor said, there is something that you could do. And I said, I'll do it. <laughs> Literally, there's no thinking at this point as a mom, you don't, you put your kids first and decisions. I was going to do whatever it took to get better. And I did not accept the doctor's answer that said that I was never going to run again and that I was never going to be able to, like there was no cure. I was going to prove them wrong, whatever it took. So I got that in my mind. Like I was going to kill scleroderma. I was going to be the first girl or the first scleroderma warrior. We call them warriors to run a marathon. I was going to be the first scleroderma to be cured. I was going to be the first of everything for scleroderma because I couldn't accept that my fate was, I was going to die of scleroderma. Well, this is your fierce inner, inner spirit. Yes. So this is why this became the race of my life. So that is the race to an HSCT. That was a race to my life was I was training my whole life for this moment. Everything that I put in my body was getting me prepared for this. And I knew it. I was, I knew there was a reason. And this is what, this what this was it. So I said, okay, what is the answer? And he said, well, I could send you to Duke medical and you can have something called a stem cell transplant. I said, sign me up. <laughs> yeah. You're like, whatever I'm doing it. Yeah. He's like, do you know what that entails? I said, I don't care what it entails. Yeah. I said, I'm going to do it. He goes, we don't even know if your medical insurance will cover it. I don't care. Oh, wow. I'll find, I'll, I'll find a way. Ma'am, it could be worth, it could be over $300,000. My parents will take a, a Lena, a close out of their house. Like my, we were, I'm such a close with my family. We're very united. 
we're, we say renewal Davis strong. So we were going to do whatever it took to make sure that I got better. And so, there, there was going to be no obstacles. No obstacles. No obstacles. So it wasn't like I had to think on this. The doctor was like, do you understand you could die doing this? Well, I'm going to die anyways. Yes. <laughs> right. Because what they've given you, how, and how long were they giving you? They were giving me until, so that was in um, September, 2018. And they were giving me till May, 2019. Which about not even quite six months, right? No, not even. They said that I could just enjoy the rest of my time with my son and my family, which, which wasn't enjoyable. There's no, well, well yeah, you couldn't even hold him. No, I was called the couch mom. That's what I called myself. My, mm. my mom would have to bring the baby to the couch and then the baby to, to me. And I would have to, I would feed him. I would still be a mom. I still wanted to be a mom. So I would feed him, but everybody had to like bring him help, to help you in every yeah. way. So, and I decided right then I said, sign me up for this. And they said, okay, well, you have to become a candidate. Like, okay. Well, is it a trial or these trials? It was no longer a trial. It okay. was actually, it's out of the trial stage, but they said that, well, you would be number three that at Duke. I said, okay, well, let me talk to number one and two. <laughs> and I started my research on the stem cell transplant. And what they do with that is you get your cells generated. So they've pulled from my bone marrow, my, my stem cells. And then they would clean and purify them. This is what they do at Duke. They're, they do it differently at other um, facilities, but this is Duke's way. And then what they do is they give you uh, two days of full body total radiation. They're just like killing everything, right? Killing everything. You name it from top to bottom. I mean, they protected my heart, my kidneys, and my lungs, but everything was getting blasted. It's probably mm -hmm. the hardest thing that I've ever had to do in my whole entire life. It was about eight to 10 hours for two days. Uh, so eight, about 20 hours of radiation in two days. Megan, was it, was it painful? It was only painful because I had to stand and sit on a bicycle seat while they were blasting me with radiation. Really? So, and then I thought, well, how messed up is this that I'm an Ironman and I'm sitting on a bicycle seat and I'm getting blasted. So there's like all these things were like happening. Like I'm never going to run again. Blasting me on a bicycle seat. Like That's like surreal. <laughs> like really? When you think about it. Yeah. Really, like, hmm. yeah. So you're killing me on, like you're killing everything inside of me. On the, on the thing that I love the most. That I love to do the most. And Honestly, to this day, I have yet to really sit back on my bicycle. Is it it's like PT, PTSD there? Yeah. It terrifies me. So but, how I just, I'm trying to visualize this in my mind. If you're on this, you've got to sit on this bike for eight to 10 hours. So it took eight to 10 hours for me because at this point I was stone. My skin turned to stone. My joints couldn't move. And to have me sit still holding myself up. It was like, you're sitting on a bicycle seat and your feet were on a platform and your hands were holding on to something on the side and you can't move because if you move, then you can risk hurting your kidneys and your lungs and everything else. And then, then you can do more damage down the road. So at the time I was getting radiation, I was also getting chemotherapy done at the same time. Oh, so, yay, yay. <laughs> yes. So then I was nauseous and I was sick. So getting blasted with radiation, trying not to vomit, listening to Christian music and repeating my son's name over and over again, Austin Davis, Austin Davis, Austin Davis, Austin Davis. So that is how I got through with it. So what could have taken two hours took me like 10 hours <laughs> because, because of how hard it was for me. So would you have to tell them to stop? Is that yes. 
is that why and take a mm-hmm. break and I have to stop because I'm sitting there thinking I don't know how I would do that even for two hours <laughs> if you yeah. can't move and you got to sit and sit still <laughs> it just it was the worst you know some people I guess radiation is tough sometimes people think it's breeze and it's easy for them depending on your situation and what but for me it was probably the worst thing and I have pictures of it and when I see other warriors go through with it it triggers me like something else. Talk about panic, talk about anxiety. It brings up a lot of fear, the fear of the unknown again, Mm -hmm. the disease. After they blast you with the radiation, then you go through ATG therapy, which is another form of chemotherapy. It's very, very strong. And then I went through cytoxin, which is another form of chemotherapy. And that was up until they called day zero. On day zero, once they've killed off your whole entire immunity, they give you your stem cells back. So there I was laying in the hospital bed. I had my husband there and I had my dad there and I received my stem cells back. And that is my rebirth. So I celebrated my, my birthday on that day zero. I was going, getting my second chance of life. And at that moment, I knew that I had to start thinking that I killed scleroderma and that it would not be in my body anymore. Mm -hmm. And then from that moment on, I knew that whatever it was going to take, that I was going to need to make sure that I took care of myself to fight that scleroderma. So there is nothing stronger than a mom who is fighting for their life. That's, that's my view. I agree. I mean, and I, I literally can be, I was laying in the hospital bed. I was literally on my deathbed seeing death and I was getting my stem cells back. And the only thing that I could think about is I am coming Austin Davis. I am coming home and I'm coming back so I can be the mom that I never was able to be that last year. Like I was robbed of motherhood. Yeah. And and Megan, so you, when you had the radiation, then you had, how long did the process of the chemo take? Was it over a series of weeks or? So everything happened within a month. So fast, really my fast. Cells ge- generating January 5th. Um, my, slared, my birthday was January 22nd. Your new birthday. My new birthday. And then two weeks later, I was still having some forms of chemotherapy and then Basically, I was in the hospital for about a good month and a half, and then I was living at Duke. So I was actually at Duke from January till April. So I was away from my son from January to April and not able to see him because you have a whole new immunity. So right. essentially, you have I to be very careful, right? Yeah. So that you I was sick. essentially a newborn myself. And that's when, after I was released from the hospital, I had to stay in an apartment, a medical apartment there on at the hospital, basically. And I would go daily to get treatments, whether it was blood infusion or the medicines that I needed or some type of a steroid until I was able to be released and go home. And they wanted to make sure you had some immunity before you went home. Yeah. So that took about though the immunity, like, like I said, I'm three and a half years post. The going home was the hardest process of everything. Okay. Because I would do that stem cell transplant over a hundred times. That's the easy part. But what was the hardest part was 
was fighting, learning how to walk again, learning how to basically talk again, move your fingers, tie your shoes, get up, stand up without somebody, sit down without somebody, washing your hair without somebody, because being able to extend your arm, my, if you really think about it, I was stone. And what was going to happen, what they say is it stops the progression. It, it's not necessarily reversing. Going to reverse it. Yeah. But in my case, the first day that I received that chemotherapy, my pain stopped. And I had been in pain since nine weeks after having my son. So it it was not just atrophy or it was painful. It was painful. It was painful 24-7. I was crying and I was in excruciating pain. So when you touched me, I was in pain. Anything, if I turned in bed, I was in pain. It just, I couldn't describe it. I couldn't like, people thought I was crazy because they're like, oh God, it's just in your head. Like you, like you say, like she's not in pain, no medicine, no pain medication. And I opted actually out of pain medication because I wanted to be there for my son when I could. As fully present. As, as fully be. present. So like he never saw me cry. He never saw me complain. Like no matter how hard it was, I made a promise as a mom that I would not show fear and I would not show that, that, that emotion as him at such a young age. I didn't even care that he was eight, nine months. I didn't want to show that to him. And I was going to prove to him that I was strong. So, and it's even, he's four years old now and he knows what scleroderma is. He can say it. He knows that his mom was sick. He knows that when she goes to the doctor every three to six months that I'm going to my checkup, that he knows that I'm, that I was getting better and he can say it. So, and, and that to me was important. So he knew that I was fighting for him Mm, the whole mm. entire journey. So, so not being able to move and muscles started to atrophy. That's, mm -hmm. and that that's why after, and then you're in the hospital for a prolonged Uh period in bed. Mm -hmm. So that's why the going home rehab. I'm the sure. rehab. So it's, that became my full-time job. So imagine like having your dream job and all of a sudden it's just like, has to come to a stop. And my full-time job was to treat, to get me back to normalcy. Mm-hmm. So scleroderma is a connective tissue disease disorder. It basically ate away all my muscles and my tissues. And I was an athlete and imagine being, having no muscle anymore learning how to lift my leg up. I would have to use my own hands to lift my leg up to move it. So learning to get that strength back was rewarding to be able to just walk to the mailbox alone, not needing a nap after. And how all of that training, athletic training, now you're using it to move again. Yes. So it's, like I said, it was, it was rewarding because I can remember I had to go through all my first again. So when you're used to running, let's say eight miles, three to four times a week, <laughs> I was celebrating, like I said, walking to the mailbox. That was like, that huge, was my first huge. goal. <laughs> like, yeah. wow. And then like the very first time it was Memorial Day. So it was right after I was released from the hospital was walking in the hospital, walking at therapy. I said I was going to do my first race and everybody was like, oh my God, no, you can't do that. So I did a one mile walk memorial race right after I was released from the hospital and I got my vib on and it was emotional and I had my bald head from swollen body and I was determined to walk that mile and cross that finish line and start my journey again of 
becoming my old self. But, and I still mourn that. I don't know if, if a lot of people, I mourn my old self and it just yes. now getting to the point where I shouldn't be mourning my old self. I should be celebrating my new self and be proud of that. And that's so hard mentally because a lot of people will say, try to tell you how you should feel. And a lot of people should tell you how you should think. And they've never been through this experience. Well, I think it's like the, how many stages of grief you have to grieve? Oh yeah. Lost. Yes. You had the stage where you're like in shock. Like I did screams when I found out. And then I got the angry stage when I was pissed off at this. I'm sure you must've been like, why I'm the healthiest person I've ever met. Right. Right. And I, and I have to tell you that I got, there was a time where I started to get very angry with my faith. And I like, that's the most important thing that I actually, I was so angry, but during the process, that's the one thing that I held on to the most. And it was kind of funny because I was so angry, but yet I was turning to my Christian music, like during radiation. And, and that was just, to me, it was kind of like back and forth, like what is going on like emotionally. And, and then of course I got into that fighting mode and that competitive mode. My husband, it was my cheerleader. And he's like, Megan, you're better than this. Like, get your stuff together. Like you're the most positive person out there. Like, do not let scleroderma win. It can't win. So then I got into that like really positive mindset. Like, yes, I'm going to kill scleroderma. It's I'm going to do it. And I was doing it. And then, then you go home and then you don't know what to do because everything kind of like, it's just up to you. And sometimes, and I'm known as like a cheerleader, the cheerleader needs somebody to cheerlead for them. Yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> you needed that cheerleader. <laughs> I needed a cheerleader. And I was lucky to have the support of everybody from my Facebook page. Like I started to support my my journey on a, the Facebook page. And I started to post daily. You know, my sister posted daily for me during the, hos- the hospital journey and, and my treatments. But I started to post it as a journal. And that was like the release and the helping, like the ment- my mental state. When you're, when I was at my best, you know, I was working out and that's how I had clarity was to run, but, and I never wanted to be on any antidepressants, but I will tell you the one thing that I did learn through this journey that it's okay to ask for help. You are not weak. You are not weak if you need help. In fact, you are stronger and you become stronger for asking for help because that's when the magic happens. When I reached out and said, I need help. I am not okay mentally. That's when things got better. That's when I, the doctor said, let's get you on an antidepressant. And I fought it and I realized, well, I can't run anymore to to release my stress. So I got on an antidepressant and I accepted it. And once I accepted that, I was able to focus on my healing better. Mm-hmm. And then you, you started to feel better. You started to feel better. And you could do more. And I could do more. So, you know, and then it started to, it got to the point where I could do things on my own. Like I was able to hold my son. I was yeah. able to change his diaper. I was able to drive him to school, no daycare, pick him up, you know, little tiny things, little tiny things. So like every single day, 
now it's kind of, it's, it's sad. And it's it, to me, it's like, but I brush my teeth every single night now. I'm so happy that I can brush my teeth <laughs> yeah. and I'm not in pain. But then I think about the other warriors who are in pain just to brush their teeth. And I think about how it's not fair that there's so many people out there in this world that are struggling and the little things that we do and that we don't think is a big deal for someone else. That's like, th that's been taken away from them or that's like a huge deal. So like me brushing my teeth is a big deal, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, cause it's a not in pain, but I can hold my toothbrush without it falling out of my hands because my, you know, fingers were contract and contracted in. Some of these warriors still to this day, you know, don't have that mobility in their fingers. And here I am again, my skin score went from a 49 out of 51 after three years post, I'm a zero. So not only did it stop my progression, but it actually reversed it. Let's talk for just a second about why you contracted this or why you think you contracted this, because I'm sure there's many reasons for many different people, but in your case, it was that birth control device. Mm -hmm. So you become, like I said, intrigued with your body, everything that I put in there, you know, when you're training for a race, so you know what, how you need to fuel yourself and keep your body going. And the day that I put that Marina IUD birth control, and I really didn't want to do it. So I went in with the mindset, like, oh, do I want to do this? Because this doesn't seem right to me. And, you know, a, a doctor had advised me that, you know, because I was nursing that this was going to be probably the best decision for me so I can continue nursing for my son. Mm -hmm. So they believe that because putting a foreign object in my body, it rejected it. And by it also had triggered the autoimmune responses in my body. So I was officially diagnosed with the rapid diffuse scleroderma, but it also, the Marina IUD birth control triggered lupus, fibromyalgia, rhinoids, and rheumatoid arthritis. So it basically was brewing in my body and it was at a hold. And as soon as that foreign object was put in there, it set off alarms internally and said, this shouldn't be here. And all those autoimmune responses went crazy. And the winner was scleroderma. <laughs> yeah. And how are the others now? Are they better? So everything is by resetting my whole entire immune system. I am to this day right now, I have no active scleroderma and I have no scleroderma in my body. So if you were to actually look at my blood work, I, you cannot say that this girl had scleroderma. You cannot say that I was sick. You would not know. You can, by looking at me now with all the hard work that I put in, in the three and a half years post of rehabs, I have no scleroderma on me. My skin is soft. My fingers, I've done a lot of different surgeries to help correct my fingers and straighten them out and fusions there. But yes, internally, my body the they believe was a silicone toxicity poisoning what you can get when the silicone toxicity poisoning which is typically what some women get with the breast implants uh -huh. mine had to do with the marina iud and just, and it was just a random your body reacted to it do they believe there was anything genetic there that it triggered this or your body just no, but, my body yeah. just said it just didn't want it. It was just needed, wanted a it was random. It was really random. random. So it could 
randomly happen to someone else or not happen to someone else. So yeah, in fact, you know, one of the things that you do is you turn to Facebook for everything. Yeah. What do we do these days, right? Yeah, that or Google, well, right? That or Google. We turn, we, we go to Google, we go to Facebook. So I joined a Marina IUD support group and I started sharing my story. Did anyone else get an autoimmune disease from uh, the Marina IUD? Boom, 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 boom. All these responses come out. So Maybe not scleroderma, but rheumatoid arthritis. You got somebody with cerebral palsy. You got immune, immune with all these other immune because of this device. And yes. it's just how our body responds to it. So in silica, which is in the marina IUD, and scleroderma are known in the medical research world that that can trigger it. Ooh. So, I mean, what am I supposed to, I mean, I had no idea. I had no idea. Was no, what do they have, give you those, the million little things that could possibly go wrong with something and you're like, right. Eh, yeah. Right, right. So, I mean, that was part of the natural, I did have a great doctor that said, you know, you probably have silicone toxicity poisoning. This is before I was diagnosed during that process. And I did a couple of detoxes Okay. to try to cleanse that out of my body. Yeah. You mentioned the holistic, the ozone treatment. Yeah. I did the ozone therapy. I did something called a Myers cocktail. I did the vitamin D infusions, vitamin C infusions, and I loved them. And, and I, and until this day, they were very helpful, but they did not cure what was going on with me. So I did things I had already eaten very well. Mm-hmm. You know, I, here I am. Eat, I did the ideal protein protocol right after having my son. I was in the alternative phase one, and I, I don't put certain sugars in my body. And I, I to the one point, the doctor said, "Let's go gluten free." Well, I was like, "I already am gluten free right now and dairy free because my son was having a reaction from nursing, mm-hmm. not because of me, but because of my son." So. Mm-hmm. And then they said, okay, well, let's take out all your meats. Okay, fine. What else am I going to (laughs) eat? Yeah. So then they were like, well, let's do this next detox. And I was literally looking at them and saying, it's not my diet that's causing this issue. Let's look at this the next step. And holistically, I just, it didn't, it wasn't able to cure me, but it did help me feel better. And I still, to this day, I always I always say, I wonder what ozone therapy would do to me now. As an yeah, athlete. it would probably be awesome, right? <laughs> I, and I really would love to do it again because how I felt when I was sick and I did it did get relief oh, yeah. about two hours later, but then I felt the pain with how strong would, my disease was. It came back hours later. Yeah. But you know, I did sit in a room with a lot of sick women who were getting the same type of treatments of me and it was helping them. Mm-hmm. And then that was very eye-opening that, you could get these different types of treatments. That's medicine is not always the the route to take. Mm-hmm. Megan, do you have to be concerned about it coming back or about having a reaction to something and that's then a, causing the whole thing again? That's a really great question. In fact, yes. So I am three year, three and a half years post, and they say if you can get to five years, then you should be okay. So what usually happens is within the first two years, you relapse at three years, those that have the diffuse, which I had can relapse. So I'm right there on that border. So mentally, every pain, every headache, every muscle movement scares the living crap out of me. And I feel like it's coming back. And that's something that I'm learning to battle still mentally that I have not gone over no matter how much therapy I have, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but 
Yes, I have to be cautious of what to do. So they give you basically like a binder of things that you can and can't do for a certain amount of time. So within six months, you can't do like eat the sushi. You can't have certain vaccinations and you've got to be careful around what animals you are around. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's something too, because think about it. Like if you go to a farm and you pick up something from a horse that can trigger another disease and then like a rescue. And then here we go again. Here I go again, because I went to a rescue a dog and I can't. And that's that's because, because you're rebuilding all of your immunity. So technically now I'm no longer classified as a um, autoimmune compromised where I am now being out. Now there are some that are within three years of the transplant that still are, but how well I'm doing, I'm no longer considered that, but I don't want to poke the bear. So I don't want to do something. And then they're like, wow, that triggered scleroderma. And then I'm doing this again. No, thank you. No, thank you. Right. Thank you. (laughs) Wow. Wow. And I think it's really important for people to realize that you were so strong and so healthy when this hit. I have to believe that that's part of what has helped you Mm -hmm. recover from all of it. Although it, it really did a number on you. Yes. If you had gone into this not strong, not healthy, not eating right, I think the outcome could have been very different, right? It could be, I could be still possibly saying that I have scleroderma just mm-hmm. in control, but I was the healthiest sick person they've seen. I imagine so. Yeah. And, you know, and that's the one thing when you, like, if you really ask somebody, like, if you get a second chance at life, what would you do differently? Would you go back to maybe your, like, if you weren't as healthy as I was, would you go back to your old ways? Would you, or would you use this as an opportunity to be like, yeah, I'm going to treat my body like the way that I've always should have treated it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I made that commitment that I was going to continue and do it even better the second time around to make sure that something doesn't trigger, trigger my scleroderma. If it's diet and nutrition or. Yeah, because you, you've been given the greatest gift of all this is a second chance. I had a podcast guest on and she went through leukemia and she has developed a platform called Armor Up for Life. And she talks so much about how important it is that we be as healthy as we possibly can be, because at some point we may be faced with something devastating. And she spent a year in the hospital, could not see her two-year-old son for a year. Yeah. And she also talks about the PTSD of that whole experience and and she's actually out advocating and trying to make changes in the whole hospital system and and getting help for patients who do have this PTSD or this whole idea of let's let's get healthy, let's be as strong as we can. Not not that it means that we won't ever get something. But she said when the doctor says you have a 25% chance of living you want the whole 25%. You don't want it to be 10% of the 25%. You know, it's, it, it was a very eye-opening conversation that we had. And, and you're just the perfect example of this healthy, healthy person who got something very unfair. Right. But, and, and she's right. She is right. One thing, and, you know, I'm a big advocate now for scleroderma. So, you know, June is scleroderma awareness month mm-hmm. and it's going to be hidden. There's other 
vague things that happen in June for awareness and uh, scleroderma is at the bottom because nobody knows what it is. Mm-hmm. So we just recently lost our biggest advocate, Bob Saget, uh, Full House. He was our advocate. He raised million. His sister had it. He had a movie for hope about his sister and mm-hmm. it's on Netflix. You can watch it. I recommend you have a box of tissues with you because that is similar to my type of scleroderma. Scleroderma is different in everyone and how it affects you. Mine was more skin. It didn't hit my heart, my kidneys and lungs like the others. Like there's other parts of scleroderma that you know don't even look sick, but you're so sick internally. So And one of the things though, in the hospital, like she's right in advocating is the mental health awareness of what you're going through. You get a diagnosis, you got the uh, cure, a treatment or a plan of action to help you with that. But one of the things that is really left out is the mental part as how to help you get through it, whether you're in the hospital or whether you're sent home. I was lucky. I had a therapist that Duke sent in for me during this, that time. But then when I got home, you didn't know what to do. And it's mm-hmm. the healing, the fear, like of the unknown of it coming back or being separated from your son for how many months or the frustrations and setbacks you're doing mm-hmm. well. And then you're set back two more months. And then, so it's definitely a, an emotional toll and, and she's right. The like mental awareness, it's time to step up the game. Absolutely. <laughs> and because that can really make a difference in, in an outcome. And you were so fierce in your determination and your positive affirmations and your focus. I'm sure that all of that made a real difference in, in your outcome. Yeah. Megan, uh, we just touched briefly on it, but for our listeners that might be curious about what ideal protein is and, and how it might help someone else, uh, just a little Can you share a little bit? So Ideal Protein is a medically supervised program where it really focuses on burning your fat and building lean muscle. And I've utilized it as a tool my whole entire life. I utilized it probably about, it's now about 10, 11 years ago, and it helped me regulate my hormones. So I was someone who had endometriosis and was having a hard time getting pregnant. And then look, I got pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) So that was my tool to help me get pregnant. And it was the tool to help me train during my Ironman. I utilized it for my sports nutrition. So that was a tool there. So I had to really maximize my performance uh, with my Ironman and uh, marathon running. And then right after I had my son, I was able to get back on the protocol and lose my baby weight. And of course, going through this process, I utilize the the products for my nutrition because I wasn't able to absorb all the protein, get the nutrients in my body. And so is a tool that I've used my whole entire life. And basically, if it wasn't for ideal protein, and what I learned, sometimes I say like, where would I be right now? I mean, would I be here to say this right now that, you know, eating clean and fueling your body correctly is the reason why? Yeah. So I owe a lot of this to Ideal Protein. It saved my life. Science saved my life in both ways on how I learned to eat and with the stem cell transplant. Yeah. And you also have a clinic where you offer ideal protein, as do I actually, because we both (laughs) know that this is an amazing protocol and program. And 
you can help people lose weight and get healthy. Yes. I have a clinic in South Carolina, Ideal Body Myrtle Beach, and I have a fantastic coach who is running my show and uh, she is down here and she offers virtual. And so we are changing people's lives every single day. We're helping them with uh, the sports nutrition. That's something that we heavily focus on or just focusing on getting your mind and clarity after a traumatic situation that you've been through. So Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's very anti-inflammatory. It's really good stuff. So Megan, if someone wants to get in touch with you to learn more either about scleroderma or ideal protein, can they reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually have a Facebook group that I, it's basically my blog and it's Megan's Race to an HSCT. And that is a private Facebook group and you're more than welcome to join. There it's got you have everything about my journey from being diagnosed to learning how to fight your insurance company to get mm. it approved to medications that I was on, learning, going through the whole entire process, and then the recovery, the mental aspect, and then the scleroderma awareness of really educating others on this disease and how it can affect you and others. I like to take time and actually talk to scleroderma warriors or those that were just recently diagnosed and afraid. I like to block out a lot of time at nighttime after the sun goes to bed to let you know that you are not alone, that we are a small community community, but we are a large as family to coming together as one. So I have, I am very active on my Facebook page, Megan Newell Davis. I'm also on Instagram. So, and then you can also follow my clinic if you wanted to ideal body Myrtle beach, but otherwise finding me on Facebook, I'm Megan Newell Davis and linking, and you'll learn everything that there possibly is about overcoming a stem cell transplant for scleroderma. Megan, I cannot thank you enough for sharing your story. And and listeners, if you could see Megan, she is a picture of health. She's beautiful. She's tan. Thank you. Thank you. Looks amazing. You would never know that you've been through all of this. And I'm very grateful that you're willing to share. And wow, what a lot. But what an unbreakable spirit you have that you you were going to fight. Well, you were a fighter beforehand because you were an athlete and quite Mm -hmm. the athlete. But then to have to to start all over again. Yeah. My race is not done yet. (laughs) (laughs) No, ma'am. None of us uh, are done. (laughs) So yeah, thank you, Megan. Uh, Again, thank you so much. And listeners, I hope you'll reach out if you have any questions for Megan. Everything will be in the show notes. So you'll be able to find her easily. So thank you again. And I wish for you all of the very best going forward. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Unbreakable Spirit. To learn more about Jennifer and her holistic weight loss approach, visit her website at sevencompany.com. That's the number seven, company.com. And please join us for our next episode where we'll hear from more women who overcame hardship and learned how to thrive.